Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Over the next, um, before I get Andrew to come up and share this morning, over the next four weeks, we're going to share for a few minutes. I'm going to get one person to come up each week for the next four weeks to just share around our four values. Anyone remember what they are? Welcome, worship, word, and witness. So if I could ask Chris if she'd like to come up, she's going to share. Chris and Richard, that's fine. You can come as a pair. That's fine. I'm just going to share just for a couple of minutes on the importance of welcome. Morning, church. Um, So for us, welcome is important because this is our home on a Sunday. It's only a church, it's a school, but it's our home. No, we want you to come in and we want you to be made welcome. We want you to enjoy your time here in church. Um, and we want to bless you, and we want to bless you when you leave as well. So us, as is important, you know, that knowledge of Jews being in your home is that when you leave, hopefully, you'll see us and we'll bless you for the week as well. Um, it's a bit like of having a visitor and you just go in the kitchen and they've just left through the back door. You know, it's not what we want to do. We want to see people. We want to welcome as they come into church that we are here. The other thing is we are all part of welcome. So we might be on the door... But we all have an obligation and a duty for Christ to welcome people to the kingdom. And that's also what it's about. So it's being here, welcoming people, making people feel valued and blessed. Um, And that's really where my heart is in terms of what we're trying to do um, at the door. Thank you. Um, We believe that everyone on the welcome team has a heart for welcome. There's something so much more when we see them standing at that door. They just love welcoming you in because we know that when we welcome you into this place, we welcome you into an atmosphere of God's presence. You can step into his perfect peace. You can step in to his strength so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. that you step into his joy so that you know his joy is your strength. That, as Richard said, we are blessing you when you come in and we are blessing you when you go to doubt. When we say, how are you today? We really mean, how are you today? If you don't feel able or want to talk, that's fine. You walk on by. But we're always there with a listening ear. When you go out, It's a lovely environment back there by the door, either inside or just outside. There's a calmness, there's a stillness. It's a lovely place for a conversation. So if you don't feel able to come up and talk to anyone afterwards, but you desperately need someone to listen to, that we are there. We're not just there to say hello, welcome, and goodbye. You'll also see at Welcome, we have two beautiful new banners, and one of them says information. So part of welcome, we are information as well. Hopefully, any questions you have, we either will know the answer or we'll know who to point you to. And, for example, on the information table, we're going to have all the sign-up sheets. So at the moment, we've got the sign-up for the Lent lunches. (laughs) And we also have a sign-up for the next Kaleidoscope event. 
thought I'd take the opportunity while I'm here to say <laughs> on Saturday the 25th of March we have our next crafts morning so there is a sign-up sheet for there. Um, newcomers welcome meals, sign-up sheets will go there. So we really want to encourage you when you come in to start looking at the information table. It's so easy just to walk on by and head straight to cafe. Um, you'll also see we have these beautiful cards, prayer and praise cards. They're on little clipboards, so you can easily just fill them in when you come in. But we really, really, really want to encourage this church to be um, to writing down prayer requests. And there's a little, there's a new post box, black post box, so you can just pop them in there. So it's anonymous. You can either put your name on or you don't have to. We don't read them. We just pass them at the end of the service to either Pastor Richard or Pastor Esther. And then during the week, they are prayed for. We also have praise cards because we are expectant as this, in this church that God answers prayer. There is power in prayer. And so we would love to hear your praise reports as well, so they are equally important. So they are available, obviously, at the end of the service to be, filling, to be filled out as well. But please, 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 after the service, when it's coming up for prayer, if you don't feel able to come up for prayer... Just write it down on one of these cards and know that they are prayed for during the week. Thank you. And they do a good job, don't they? Yeah, the welcome team are amazing. You know, everyone that I speak to that comes to the church, uh, either visiting or whatever, say that they, they really do feel welcomed not just by the guys on the door like Chris and Richard said, but everyone here. I think we're a very welcoming church. So we just want to thank you for your serving. What I'd like to do now is invite my friend up, Andrew, if you'd like to come up and I'll pray for you. Andrew's going to share this morning our last series on spiritual gifts. Let me pray for my friend. Man. That's it, you got it right. Thank you. Brilliant. Father God, I thank you for this man who's walked with us for many years, and he is a good friend. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Father God, for the anointing of teacher, for Andrew to share the word of life this morning. And I thank you that as he's the carrier of the message, I thank you, Holy Spirit, you are the true teacher. Mm -hmm. Just impart to us, Holy Spirit, what we need to hear today. Mm -hmm. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everybody. I was, um, I did something very foolish a few weeks ago when Pastor Richard asked me whether I share one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he mentioned gifts of healing, but I didn't, it didn't really register at the time, and I said yes rather too quickly, and then I realized what I'd just done, and I realized I stepped into an area which can be quite sensitive for many people, um, challenging and controversial, but I don't want to talk so much about healing this morning. I want to talk, uh, my emphasis wants to be on Jesus. Because we all have different views about healing. But it's more important to know the one who heals. I feel this morning we were singing, Jesus doesn't change. He's the same today as he was yesterday. And I felt the Lord impress on me this morning that there are those here Whose, whose picture relationship with Jesus has changed over the years to accommodate 
the situations and the circumstances that they're in and the health that they're in, rather than seeing their circumstance change and fit the Jesus that they once knew. And as I was crying out to God for help this morning, I believe he gave me a kind of framework um, for this talk this morning to try and fit a picture of God's idea of how we should see healing in the context of Jesus. And I've put it under um, three headings, which is faith, war, and love. Now, at first glance, you might think, how do they fit together? But bear with me, and hopefully as we go this morning, we will see how these work together really well. Faith. Faith is trust. Trust comes by knowing and and seeing someone. You trust somebody you know, don't you? You don't trust somebody you don't know. You trust somebody you do. And, and so faith isn't, isn't an, an kind of ambiguous thing where we step out into, into nothingness, as some people would have us believe, but faith is a very, a, a very decisive act of trust. And so we need to know who we are trusting. Um, so, and, and that means we got to hear, and I want you to hear this morning, what, what the Lord is wanting to speak to us, rather than quickly jump into your, your already perhaps fixed or preconceived ideas. It reminds me of a story I, I heard of a gentleman who went to a, a crusade meeting, and he, he went forward for prayer at the invitation, and uh, when the evangelist prayed for him, the evangelist asked, what do you want prayer for? And the man said, I want prayer for my hearing. So the evangelist put his fingers in the man's ears and prayed fervently for, the, for the, the man's ears to be healed. And after a while, he took his fingers out and he asked him, how is your hearing? And the man said, I don't know. It's not until next week. <laughs> I'm glad you got that one. But I think, it, I think it exemplifies the fact that sometimes we can rush into things or, you know, with, with our, our fixed ideas of, of what, you know, we already know what we're going to hear. And, and we need to be careful that when we approach God, we, we, we are open to what God is wanting to share with us this morning. Now, my, my preconceived ideas of Jesus changed radically when I was about 19 years old. And I've been brought up, actually, in church. I've been brought up in the Methodist church. And, and um, I knew about Jesus, and I kind of had an idea, a kind of a nominal relationship with him, but he was, he was a distant character, not really relevant to my life. I couldn't really characterize him. But I came to a stage where I was challenged about continuing this journey of faith and belonging to the church. And I realized that, that, that if, if church had to mean anything, it had to be more than a set of rules you live by. It had to be a relationship. And I don't know where that came from, but I do know now. I know the Holy Spirit was working in my life. 
and he brought me to, um, my mother gave me a book. I don't know where she got that from, because um, I, can't, I can't imagine, but it was, it was called Nine O'Clock in the Morning by Dennis Bennett. And some of you have read it or know about it, yes. <laughs> Do you know that that knocked my socks off that book? Because it mentioned something about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, I was a good Methodist. I heard nothing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, that was an anathema to Methodists, I believe. <laughs> but I thought, could this be real? Could this God that I heard about actually be alive and at work in the world today, change miracles and people being healed in amazing ways? And I thought, I want to know about this. If this is real, surely this is the best thing ever. You know, and I, I was an addict to science fiction, and I'd, I'd read some amazing, weird things. And, and this just completely knocked that out of the ballpark. And, and, and so my journey began. And uh, I ended up in a small Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God, in Norwich Road in Ipswich. And my first direct encounter with the supernatural was with um, a, a young lady called Nikki. And uh, she was a friend of mine in our youth group. Now, I know that's hard to believe that I was in a youth group at one time. <laughs> But I assure you, I was. <laughs> I find it hard to believe now myself, to be honest, but it was true. But, but Nikki was part of a family. She had about three other siblings and her parents, and they all came to faith in Jesus at the same time. They all arrived en masse in the church. Amazing. Brand new Christians. But Nikki, who was probably about 17 at the time, was wearing these really thick glasses. They were about half inch thick. And uh, it was in the autumn, and, and we had a little bonfire at the back of the church to celebrate Guy Fawkes. And uh, she was sharing with us how she was already enrolled to, 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 um, to go to a school for the partially blind because she had a condition called retina glaucoma. And they said to her, this, this is person. First of all, you're going to go blind. You need to learn to live as a blind person. And so she was saying to us, this is probably the last time I'll be able to see a bonfire on November the 5th. And that's quite poignant to hear that. And I can't remember how soon after that was, probably a week or two, her mother, new to the faith, had heard that Jesus heals. And one Sunday night, she prayed for her daughter to be healed. And God healed her eyesight, and she went from wearing these half-inch thick glasses to better than normal eyesight, wow. like that. Yeah. Nikki was my friend, so I knew it was, you know, it wasn't somebody I heard about. This, this, was, this was real. And I saw God is alive and at work. Jesus is alive and at work today. Do you know, that changed the Jesus I knew. See, on the slide there, who is Jesus that you know? That's my question this morning. Who is the Jesus you know? Not the Jesus you reason him to be. We need to know that Jesus has, he has revealed himself, not as the Jesus we've reasoned him to be. This is very important. There was a, a centurion in the days soon after... <coughs> The, the crucifixion of Jesus. The church was very young. 
there was a centurion in Jerusalem whose name was Cornelius. And he had converted to Judaism in his time in Judah. And he was referred to as a devout man. And he prayed. And God sent an angel to Cornelius and said, There is a man called Peter. I want you to go and find him. He's in Joppa. Send somebody to go and get him. And he will tell you the way of salvation. So God was saying to Cornelius, just being a Jew wasn't enough. You needed to know about the way of salvation. And Peter came to the house of Cornelius. Peter didn't want to go to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter at that time didn't think God had any dealings with Gentiles. But God changed his mind. And I'm so glad he did. Because otherwise we might not be here. And Peter started to talk to Cornelius about Jesus. And he didn't say, let me tell you about this man, Jesus. He said, you know this man, Jesus. You know the message God sent to his people of Israel, announcing the good news and peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. <clears throat> you know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. The things that happened in Judea weren't done in a corner. They were done out in the open and everybody knew it. So Peter didn't have to waste time telling Cornelius about this Jesus. Everybody knew. And what was this Jesus or who was this Jesus that everybody knew? In verse 38 of Acts 10, it says this, This is the Jesus you know, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Is this the Jesus you know? Is this the Jesus you once knew? Or is this the Jesus you want to know? This is the Jesus we can all know. Today, he's here now. We've already tasted and, and, and been aware of his presence and been encouraged. I just want to read a few verses. or just I haven't got them up on slides, so I don't want to take too much time. But I just want to give a little framework about the Jesus we know. This is going to be very high level, very... I can't go into depth in any of these areas on faith, war, and love because of the time. But I, I want to put these three things together. I feel that's more important this morning than trying to explore each one of these individually in any depth. Do you understand? But in, in Isaiah, there was a prophet who looked forward to the day of the coming Messiah, this Jesus, 500 years before. And he says this about this man... He said, he was pierced for our transgressions. This is in Isaiah 53. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. In, in Matthew, I think it's, it's chapter 8, I'm not sure. Um, it talks about Jesus coming to, to Peter's house and healing his mother-in-law. 
And, uh, and, and it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So if you have any doubt about the intention in Isaiah's mind when he was referring to healing the sick, this is the confirmation that, that um, Jesus was about fulfilling that in a very physical, real way, in touching our bodies. In Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who remembers the story of the, the paralytic that was lowered down through the roof by his friends so he could see Jesus? And Jesus did something remarkable, or not remarkable so much as odd to us, because if we see a sick man, we think we'll pray for him, but what did he do? He said, my sons, your sins are forgiven. And this was offensive to the Pharisees, because they reasoned, who has authority to forgive sins other than God himself? That's a shocker, isn't it? That gives you pause for thought. God himself? And Jesus replied to them. Let's read it. Uh, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, Go home. And he got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wow. But do you see how Jesus and how the Scriptures connect the work of the cross in redeeming us from our sin as the same work that heals us from our diseases. Do we see disease and sin as co-enemies of us as human beings, as the work of an enemy that has been sown in our lives? Do we resist the fruit of sickness in the same way as we resist sin? Are we fighting the same battle? Are the two battlefronts the same in our minds? Or do, you know, we would never say somebody who has a, a, a sin problem that's persisting in their life and say, well, perhaps God's allowed that sin problem to teach you something. We, we don't do that, do we? No, we see, we, we would come alongside that brother and sister and encourage them to be free. Because God intends us to be free. And I feel the Lord is saying, some of us have, have, have accommodated the enemy in our lives and reasoned him to be there and forgotten the bigger picture of, the, of Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. This is what we need to be contending for. And that's why I've titled the next section, War. Because we are under attack, we are, uh, are being trying to persuade that, that we have to accommodate certain aspects of infirmity because in some ways it might be explained away as healing is not for today, perhaps, or, or, or this is God's will, or 
Um, we don't want to hurt or offend people who have had a long-time sickness and don't seem to have been healed. And, and we reason these things in certain ways that then end up changing our view of Jesus. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody, and I don't want to bring anybody under condemnation. Far from it. And that's why we need to come to love um, to conclude. Because Jesus is about compassion. He has compassion for us, and he wants to see us healed. Now, I'm not going to go into the reasons why some people seem to be healed and some people don't tonight, this morning. But I want to see it in this context. Is the battle worth fighting? Yes. And, I, and, and, and as I was praying about this, Winston Churchill came to mind. And that shocked me. Because normally I get my illustrations from the agricultural sphere. <laughs> so, so I think this must be God, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is not normal for me. But um, Winston Churchill was a remarkable man, as we all know, because he had a perception and understanding of the evil of Nazism and Adolf Hitler. And, and he was forthright in his warnings about this evil and the necessity to stand against it. And, and he had a speech one where he made a speech to the effect that this was a threat against the free world, against the civilization as we know it, and Christendom. It was a perceptive man. Now, the problem with Winston Churchill, he didn't have a very good track record of fighting battles. Um, Gallipoli was one of them. And when he was elected to be prime minister and he was set to with the charge of defending the nation, many thought he wasn't the best man for the job. And many more thought that after the war started because things didn't go well. And we had Dunkirk and we had many other battles where we were losing ground. And, Hit, and, and Churchill was under extreme pressure to appease Hitler and to say the battle was not worth the fight. And we need to capitulate and acknowledge that this man is the one to rule Europe. I'm so glad that Churchill didn't judge the virtue of the fight by the amount of battles won or lost. He judged the battle worth fighting because it was worth fighting. And, and I felt the Lord say, have, don't judge the battle with sickness by how long we've been sick or how many people we've prayed for and not yet seen an answer to it. Judge the battle by, is, it, is, is this a battle of the cross? Is this, is this something that God is calling us to, to continue the work that Jesus started? Do we see us playing part of the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples to go out into all the world and preach the good news, to cast out demons and heal the sick? This is a battle we need to face. You know, if we don't see that, we... Think, think about Ukraine right now. The Ukrainians have shocked everyone, haven't they, in the way they've defended that nation. In the midst of Vladimir Putin, I, I think he believes it. He's, he says Ukraine is part of the greater Russian nation. 
he is saying, I have a right to be here in Ukraine. I have the power, I have the muscle. It's foolish for you to resist. But the Ukrainians have resisted because they don't believe that. And they're prepared to fight and die for the idea that Ukraine is a free nation. As soon as we are double-minded about areas in our lives as to whether it's God's will or not, will we fight? Will we contend? Will we strive? Will we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Will we be filled with the Word? I was, um, last weekend I was given a book, The Sermons of Smith Wigglesworth. Have you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth, somebody? He was a famous evangelist from the beginning of the last century, I believe. And he was renowned for how God used him in miraculous healings and even raising people from the dead. And as I read, I was impressed by three things. One, his zeal to be filled with the word. Two, his understanding of the necessity to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he recognized that, that it's not his power, but God through him that was at work. And the third was compassion. Now, before I just move on to compassion, I just want to talk a little bit about gifts of healing, because that's why I was asked up here in the first place, wasn't it? So we're in a warfare. We're in a fight. And God has equipped us with weapons for the fight. We need them. These gifts aren't for you, just, it's not like a sweet shop, or oh, I fancy a sweet today, or I don't. Now, it's not something for you to enjoy. This is vital for us, as, our, as the body of Christ, to be strong and to be on the offensive. Ukraine, at the moment, is sending out envoys around the world saying, send us your weapons, because our fight is righteous. Are you zealous are you earnest in your desire to be filled with the gifts or a gift of the Holy Spirit? Yes. To be honest, I've been through a stage where I haven't. And I feel like God is stirring me up now in this stage. I've got being fed up with all the Jesus that I knew when I was a teenager. On, you know, we're never too old. We've never been too, too much to be touched and to be refreshed by the Jesus that we know. In, um, can we have the next slide, please? Oh, yes. Oh, can I just go back, Kyle, to the first, that last one? 1 John 3, um, 8, it says, um, that's the one, sorry. The Son of God has appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he's about, and, we, and, we, and so we've seen that evidence, haven't we? So this is what we are about today. Can we slide five, please, Kyle? And I'll just read this to, to you. But to each one of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. Gifts of healing. Not just one gift. There are many gifts. Um, 
you know, the, 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 it seems that sometimes peop, some people have a specific anointing in, in a particular area of infirmity. And, and they, they have a, um, an ability to hear God for people who, who perhaps are ears are deaf, who's, who's got a bad back or, um, or for cancer or for um, psychological needs, for depression, for anxiety. Uh, God wants to heal the whole man, the whole person. God's healed me from depression, so I know. So there are gifts of healing. Now, in saying that, we're all called to be ministers of healing. And if you think about it, if you're called up, say you, you were in war and you were called up, you would all have to learn how to use a gun. You would all be trained in basic first aid. You would all be trained in how to take orders and to be led by commander. But some would be given specific areas to specialize in, wouldn't they? So some would be tank commanders, um, some would be medics, some would be gunners, some would be in the command office, some would be in intelligence, discerning of spirits, get that? And, you know, it's, there's so many different areas where, where, where God will bring different giftings to different people to specialize in. And I see that very much in, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that, that we, all, we all should be expecting and, and, and desiring spiritual gifts. In slide six, it says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually just as he wills. Now, the Holy Spirit will distribute these gifts among you as he wills. He is the commander. Paul also says, earnestly desire certain spiritual gifts. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, it says, but earnestly, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Now, it, it is a, a, a contrary message going out here. I, I don't think so. As if you were into a role in the army, you might be asked, do you have a preference into which area you serve? And you might say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a tractor driver. I might say, I'd like to drive a lorry. That would be my preference. But I can't dictate that to the army. The army would eventually, they would either take that into consideration and say, yep, yeah, okay, I see you've had experience there. I'll, I'll let you drive lorries. Or I might say, no, you're needed here. Be open, earnestly desire the greater gifts, but be open to where the Spirit has anointed you. And, and submit yourself to the will and purpose of God. Okay? So that's gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of healing. Just summed up there. <laughs> but in that same verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, after saying, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, he says, and yet I'm going to show you a better way. And that better way, he goes on to elucidate, is love. Now, is Paul now saying, yeah, the gifts are fine, but you don't need to bother with the gifts as long as you love one another? 
is not saying that. Pastor is saying he's not saying that. So this is true. I'm all right. I'm glad. I'm on the right tracks. The gifts are given that we can love. So we can love effectively. The gifts aren't given so we can boast in them and say, look at me. Look at what God's given me. And that was what was happening, it seems, in the Corinthian church. They, they, they were sort of almost um, lording it over one another and saying, I've been given this gift and I've got this gift. And it was more about them than it was about serving the body and loving the body. And it's, and it's to do with compassion. We're called to have compassion for one another. Faith isn't something... This isn't faith... And this is what some Christians do. Once they get the idea of faith, they go up to somebody and say, you need to believe, brother. <laughs> Haven't you heard the word of God, brother? Only believe, brother. Oh, and sister, sorry. And it can leave you with that sense of, of somehow you might be a lesser Christian because you haven't understood something that somebody else has, has received. That is not love. Okay. Love is coming alongside somebody and, and, and encouraging them. Not, not just sympathizing with where they are and saying, oh yes, God loves you, and go away and leave them. But to lift them from where they are into the purpose of God. If, if, if you were on a sickbed in pain, would you prefer a Christian to come and sit with you and, and, and just all love you, give you a hot bowl of soup, hold your hand and say, I love you, and then go away again? Or would you have a brother who would come and sister and sit with you, hold your hand and say, I love you, then seek God, pray with him, and see them delivered from the pain? Uh, a few years ago, um, I was suffering from my second kidney stone, so I knew when the pain hit, what it was. Now, my brother managed to get me to the surgery, which was kind of remarkable in itself. And uh, in the surgery, um, in all of the doctor decided, rather than, than leave me in the surgery, um, vomiting all over her surgery, she decided to better to um, stuff me full of um, painkillers where the sun doesn't shine and pack me off to hospital. And... Uh, <laughs> Kidney stones, uh, you, you can't gloss over kidney stones. You can't make them nice. It, 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 it's it's um, not pleasant. But um, during that time in hospital, the pain did subside and, and, and leave. But many of you know my friend George, George Abraham. He's a friend of the, of the body here. And uh, we were, were praying regularly at that time. And, and when he rang me up that morning, he, 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 he knew that uh, he wouldn't get anything coherent out of me. This morning, but he, so but he was been praying for me during the day, off and on, and it, later in that day, George um, related to this that um, he was driving back from the supermarket. He wasn't even thinking about me then, friends. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and and but he, as he was driving, he felt the, the Holy Spirit impress upon him to to visualize a stone. And, and he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, rub this stone. And, and it kept coming back to him, and he was, and it was, it was, 
he was acting that out. He was rubbing something between his fingers until he felt it break up. And, and when he got home, he related this to, to Sally, his wife, who was a doctor. Uh, and she said, you know what that was. The Holy Spirit was using you to bring up the stone in Andrew's body. And, and the next morning, I had a, a, a scan to, to look at the stone, and they couldn't find it. I'm so, that's the kind of friend you want. <laughs> you know, and, and, and George has been a, a great friend to me. And, and you might not know it, but he doesn't, he doesn't talk about it much, but he's faced some, and is facing some, some really severe battles physically in his body. But he, he, he never once says this is God's will. He's fighting that every step of the way. And, and every time he talks to me about healing, he's, he's, as a brother, as a friend, he's encouraging me to trust God and to believe in, in the healing. And the message that I'm speaking here this morning is, a res, is I can put down to a huge result from George and his encouragement to believe God. And, and as he does that, you know, not only is he seeing others receive health, but he, in himself too, he's, he's, he's pushing back against the enemy. And seeing the Lord move in, in amazing ways. I want to conclude this morning. Oh, sorry, yes. Matthew 14. I just forgot this slide. This is the last slide I want to share with you this morning. Um, when you came ashore, this is Jesus in Matthew 14. It says, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed the sick. I, I never knew this about Smith Wigglesworth until, um, you remember Angela who was here two weeks ago and talking about her experiences in Peru? And after the service, she was talking to me about Smith Wigglesworth and she was impressed at just how much he emphasized compassion. Because Smith Wigglesworth had a, had a had a reputation for being rather gruff, rather, rather brusque, and violent. And he was known to actually, he, he, he saw sin as, as an enemy. I mean, sin, not sin, um, uh, sickness as an enemy. And, and he would give it short shrift. And sometimes if somebody had stomach complaints, he would physically hit them in the stomach. That didn't go down with, too well with people. And, until the person who was hit in the stomach got up healed. And that was a different matter. But what some people don't know about Smith Wigglesworth was that if he was, he, people would call on him to pray for people any time of the day or night, and he would leave what he was doing and go and pray for them. He, he would sometimes kneel by their bed all night praying for people to break through. Didn't see this as a casual thing where, oh, I'll just pray. If God heals, he heals. If he doesn't, he doesn't. He knew God heals, and he fought for it. But, he had, but it comes from compassion. Thank you. I want to um, finish now by showing you um, a video that um, George just recently sent me. Uh, he didn't realize the, um, the, the, the framework of which I was going to share this morning. But this story of a lady who, who God touched fits the emphasis that I was wanting to bring out of her relationship with Jesus as one of faith, her, her, her struggle of persevering against 
opposition and her experience of someone loving her and supporting her and, and encouraging her to look up. Okay. I love that. It's not about the healing, but it's knowing that God is there for us. Can I ask the band if I could like to come up and just um, play? The question remains, though, doesn't it? Who is the Jesus you know? Is this the Jesus you know? Or is this the Jesus you want to know? And I want to give, we've got some, some friends here this morning who are willing to pray for us. And I believe God's, he is, he is here this morning, there's no doubt about it, Jesus is here this morning. He, he's that same Jesus that Cornelius knew. He's here to heal us this morning. He's here to save us this morning. And he's here to fill us with the Holy Spirit this morning. So I want to ask if there's anybody here who wants to know this Jesus, who doesn't know Jesus, to respond this morning. Anybody here like to put their hand up and say, yes, I want to know this Jesus? Or are we all good this morning? Thank you, Lord. And I want to encourage us to, this morning, how serious are you about loving the body and continuing the work that Jesus has started? Who here wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Who here wants to of him, be filled with gifts that God has given you and to be used of him. And I want to invite you to come up as well and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you too. Who here has, and I feel God is saying this, there's some people here who have learnt to, to accommodate sickness and sin, in, not sorry, sin, sickness in their lives. They, they, they've reasoned a different Jesus to the one they first knew. And, and there are, and they want to receive a, a, a fresh touch from God today. God is here to heal us today. To touch and to heal today. So I just want to invite the, the healing, um, the praying team to come forward. Father, Thank you for showing us, Jesus. Thank, thank you for sending your Son that we might know you. Jesus, you said that you only went about doing that which your Father called you to do. So we see that Jesus is an expression of your love towards us. Lord, you're here to love us this morning, to reach out and to touch us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you like a touch from the Lord this morning, for whatever it is, I invite you to, to stand up. There, there are occasions where we need to respond. We need to stand up. Like that lady, we need to stand up and say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Anybody like to pray? Anybody? put their hand up for, for, for being filled with the Holy Spirit, then I want to ask you to come forward right now and we'll pray for you.
anybody who has an issue in their body you'd like to pray like prayer has anybody a word from the Lord a specific word from the Lord that there might be somebody here this will give you a chance to, to share that now because we are body and we've got been a body ministry here so has anybody got anything else they'd like to share I have the freedom to come up and share that things we can close the meeting if there's no want to um, retreat back to the not retreat but <laughs> share fellowship um, back at the uh, other cafe then please do so but also invite you to stay and just allow God to minister thank you 